You're listening to the Airline Briefing, the industry affairs podcast from IATA, keeping you up to date with the most vital issues facing aviation today. Welcome to the IATA industry affairs podcast. I'm Chris Gota, part of the communications team at IATA. In today's podcast, we're looking at some of the latest developments with the epidemiological situation and the varying policy responses being adopted by governments. We appear to be in a strange situation where despite vaccination rates going up, fear of COVID, especially the Delta or Indian variant, is causing governments to delay opening. In some parts of the world, restrictions internally have almost vanished, but restrictions on travel remain. To help me explore the implications of all this, I've got a special guest today, um, and that's our Assistant Director for External Affairs, James Wiltshire. James is our expert on the epidemiological situation as it pertains to kind of government policies around travel and COVID. And really, he is the ideal man to explore these issues today. So um, thank you very much and, and welcome, James. So I want to explore the issue of where we are with COVID worldwide and what that means for the restrictions that we're still seeing on travel because we have this strange situation where the um, vaccination rates are going up. In many countries, the death rate and the infection rate has fallen dramatically, yet we're still seeing considerable reluctance to open up, primarily, I think, because of fear of the Delta or the Indian variant. Would that be a reasonable characterization, uh, James? And if so, um, What's what's really the, the next step for governments and why are they so concerned about this? So, Chris, um, first of all, good morning. And um, I think the situation you describe is pretty accurate as it pertains to Europe and North America, where um, we are indeed seeing pretty rapid vaccination rates and um, similarly a decline in cases, hospitalizations and deaths in, in most countries in those regions. It's not so much the case um, or so reflective of the situation in Asia Pacific or Africa or Latin America. Um, Asia Pacific, really most of the way through this pandemic, has been quite a different situation to much of the rest of the world in that it was very um, successful in keeping COVID cases low or in some cases very, very low. And so they're approaching this situation from a a situation where they haven't had a lot of COVID, haven't had large numbers of cases and deaths. And so the the population has very little natural immunity. And they're also finding their vaccination rollout programme is going very slowly. So they're going to have a quite specific challenge in reopening their borders um, using vaccination as a protection. A, because there's not that basic protection in the population and and B because those vaccination rates are lower and vaccination rates are pretty low in Africa and Latin America as well but obviously their epidemiological situations are very different to Asia Pacific in that in in both of those regions COVID is quite prevalent it's been uh, very high case levels in Latin America really throughout most of the pandemic and Africa seeing rising cases so they're going to have a different challenge. Actually, they um, those regions have tended to be um, more open in terms of their borders, but they do have this challenge that the vaccination rates are are quite low. So 
there are diverse um, pictures around the world, and I think we need to be recognising that when we are talking about um, policies for reopening borders and coming out of the pandemic from a travel perspective. Right. But, so, so if I could just, I could just stop you there for a second, and then let's just take a look then at, at perhaps where we saw some good news, which was, you know, sort of uh, in the last few weeks, we have seen the European Union make some positive steps towards reopening and recognizing vaccinated passengers and so on. But what I what I want to ask you around that is, so that that's on the first, on the sort of first glance, that looked like, okay, great, we've recognized the power of vaccination. It means that we can reopen our borders. But when you sort of delve slightly deeper into that, you've seen that there is still this big concern over the Delta variant. So we've just seen Angela Merkel be very, very clear um, in calling for the EU to stop arrivals from the UK without uh, quarantine because of the, uh, uh, the the prevalence of the Delta variant. Now, my question to you then is, does this create uh, a, a rod for Europe's own back in that if they discover the Delta variant is very widespread within the EU's borders, is that then opening a situation where we could see restrictions and quarantine measures that were recently relaxed snapping back? Do you think that's a concern? And if not, then how, how do governments respond to the Delta variant concern? So, Chris, I think it is a concern, um, to be honest. And it's, a, it's a situation that we've seen time and time again. Um, with the uh, the way that the pandemic has developed, we've seen governments, when they're faced with something new, really only got one tool in their in their toolbox, which is to shut things down again. And, and so we're not seeing a recovery in travel that is resilient, um, and and that is a real concern um, because we're now what, 15, 15 months in since really travel stopped, and governments haven't developed responses other than the very blunt one of, of closing borders. And uh, you know, given where we are, given what we see coming forward, this is a situation scenario that's going to keep on recurring. And so I think one of the things we really need to work on with governments is finding ways that we can keep keep travel open once we once we get the borders open, we keep it. Um, and we have more nuanced approaches. Already we're seeing um, talk of a Delta Plus variant, um, potentially in India. And if we look across the Atlantic to, to the US, we know that the US CDC is starting to look to the autumn and winter period and saying, well, um, we seem to have plateaued at 60-ish percent of vaccinated population. There's going to be a reservoir of unvaccinated people. What's going to happen in autumn, winter? I think when we get to those potential scenarios, we need to be better equipped as as a society and as an industry, um, specifically thinking of aviation, so that we can keep going through that. And I think that the signs with the Delta variant coming back to, to where you started, Chris, are really positive, actually, um, especially for vaccinated travellers. The evidence is that they, the vaccines are, all of the, certainly the European approved vaccines, so that's the, the mRNA ones and the adenovirus vaccines are really effective against the Delta variant after two doses and the 14 day bedding down period. And so, yes, Angela Merkel has introduced her policy about quarantining all Brits. But where, 
we are talking from in Switzerland, the Federal Council here has taken a very different approach earlier this week because they are so convinced of the effectiveness of the vaccines that they say that actually even with the Delta variant, incoming Brits or incoming um, travellers from any region where there's presence of the Delta variant, they don't need to quarantine because the protection provided to the travellers and to the community from the vaccines is sufficient. And I think that's the way things start to need to get go um, as, as there's more and more evidence that this, this virus is going to become endemic. So, so let's just, I just want to zero in on that point that you're saying about, about evidence. Um, the, you know, we, we've obviously got this issue that you've just referred to of, of, of governments responding in, in different ways. Um, what evidence can we sort of point them to which would give them the uh, the confidence to go down the route that the Swiss government, as you just pointed out, have done. What sort of modelling work is out there that that sort of shows the, the developments, not only of the effectiveness of vaccines, but actually just the general kind of level of of risk that you have uh, from for for importing the virus across borders. Yeah, so there's been a, a lot of modelling work done um, and many of our industry partners such as Airbus and Boeing um, and, and various um, groupings of, from within the airline industry have done modelling work. Um, you know, initially, we were looking at the travel experience itself and more latterly, we've been looking at how um, non-pharmaceutical interventions, um, basically, uh, testing and, and then moving on to to the, to the vaccination program, how those measures can help to reduce the risk of importing the virus into one country from travellers from another. And there's been lots of that um, and really compelling evidence that you can reduce the, the risk very significantly um, by using those those measures either in, in, in isolation or in combination even more effectively. Um, and there's also work from many academics in the world. We, we recently um, spoke with a, an academic out of, the, out of Singapore who's been working very closely with the School of Public Health um, at the National University of Singapore, again, showing very similar um, results. And I think what, what I find reassuring um, is that you know, models are models and they're inherently you know, um, built on the assumptions within them. But each of these different approaches have come at the, the problem slightly differently, but they all converge on a very similar answer. And I think that gives me some, some comfort that there is actually value in these models. One of the challenges we have, however, is that, um, that, that this is a very much um, a private sector and academic led efforts. Um, it, it, it's really having the conversations with governments to to show them that these are useful and valuable tools. Right. So um, are there any governments in particular that you feel have been more receptive to that kind of evidence and perhaps some that are less receptive or being stubborn and or maybe they have their own modelling which they haven't shared with us that doesn't agree with this. I mean, you know, we look at, for example, the UK, which has, you know, been very, very reluctant to to bring forward a plan to to restart travel 
um, perhaps um, the US as well. Who, who who do you feel is 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 out there being very positive, and and who who is holding back? That's a really good question, and, and this gets to I guess um, the question of there's there's modelling and data and, and science um, and behavioural science, and then there's politics, um, and we've got both of these things at play here. So I think you know you asked about um, good examples, and we've um, mentioned Germany for being cautious around the Delta variant, but they have actually been quite good in. Um, Germany has obviously their very prestigious Robert Koch Institute, which has looked into, was one of the first in institutes that looked at the role of vaccination in reducing risk. And so they were one of the early movers um, in terms of providing alleviation from testing and quarantine for vaccinated travellers um, based on the evidence there. And the protocol that is being rolled out in Europe is based on advice that's been pre prepared by the European Centres for Disease Control. Um, and so, you know, it's still the case that that implementation rollout is, is, is an ongoing process and not all countries are implementing the protocols in the same way, but there is a basis there in science. And I also talked about Singapore, um, where obviously the authorities there are very closely engaged in the, the work that's being done at the National University of Singapore. I think the, um, to mention a couple of other countries where we're finding it quite challenging to understand really what's going on are the US and Canada, because the US Centers for Disease Control and Protection has published quite compelling research showing that um, vaccination is highly effective in reducing um, transmission of the, of, of the SARS-CoV-2 virus and that therefore um, additional, imposing additional measures on vaccinated travellers offers very little additional benefit. Yet still we're seeing the, the US being very reluctant to open its borders to, to non-US citizens, whether they're vaccinated or not. And so that's quite hard to understand, given that their own health experts are telling them that that's a safe thing to do. And similarly, north of the, um, the border in Canada, um, Canada put together a task force of um, various medical experts and um, they recently published their report and presented their report to the Canadian government. And that also had a very um, sensible and graded set of uh, health, health measures to allow Canada to open its borders and, and enable international travel again. And again, the Canadian government's been very reluctant and very slow to take up those findings. Um, and it, it, it looks like it will make movement for Canadian citizens, but won't let non-Canadians in uh, for the time being. So it's, it's quite hard to understand there when they're being presented with, with the compelling evidence, what additional um, uh, support or comfort they need to make the moves. And then finally, you, you referenced the UK. And um, again, just yesterday, we had uh, some changes announced in the UK's um, traffic light system, countries moving into um, green, a few countries moving into green, um, and some countries moving into the, into the red zone. But there's very little clarity on what the 
what the decision criteria are for that, what the risk models are. And as, a, as an industry and, and with our private sector partners in the wider travel and tourism sector, we have really struggled to engage with the, the UK authorities on what, um, what decision criteria they're using uh, and what they think of, of our models and what's missing in our modeling that would make it more helpful to them in in helping them open up. So, you know, there's a real spectrum. Mm. And so fi final final question to you, I suppose, looking looking forward then. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna choose to take a positive sort of view, even despite the points you've just made where, where we, we we're still struggling with several key markets. But let's let's take the assumption that governments are going to follow a path of unlocking and traffic does start to recover with the vaccination. You know, does that mean we're out of the woods. Do, do we? Do we? Can we look forward to a winter uh, of of strong traffic recovery? And effectively, you know, once we do get past this this current crisis right now, we can expect a sort of seamless reopening of borders. Is that is that the situation you expect? It's the situation I'd love to see. Um, I'm afraid, and this goes back to something I said a little bit earlier on. I wish that um, I had confidence that that would be the case. It's certainly not what we've seen so far, where things have been very stop-start. You know, you'll, you'll recall back at, at the end of 2020, we were looking forward and, and thinking that the arrival of the vaccines was going to be um, the game changer. And then the alpha variant, so the UK variant, um, appeared on the scene, followed um, soon after by the um, the variants first detected in Brazil and South Africa. That caused um, a ratcheting up in risk. Now we're seeing responses to the Delta variant being very cautious. And as I said, you know, there's talk of a Delta Plus, we know there, there are bound to be other variants emerge. Mm. And then um, there is some evidence that um, as the Northern Hemisphere moves into autumn winter, either there could be a pickup in um, uh, COVID cases amongst unvaccinated populations or the return of other seasonal infections. And we just need to make sure that we don't see the same uh, instinctive uh, knee-jerk locking down at that point. So um, I think I will have confidence when I think the governments have got alternative tools uh, and the confidence to ride out um, increases in uh, in cases. I think right. the one positive I would I would say about this, um, and this comes back to what we are seeing about the Delta variant, we are seeing that the vaccines are really effective. And what this means is that in a country like, like the UK that's got really high levels of vaccination, but also high levels of the, the Delta vari variant circulating, we are not seeing those cases translating into the levels of hospitalizations and deaths anything like they did um, during the the alpha variant wave at mm. the end of 2020 and the start of 2021 and perhaps it will be governments seeing that being the case and the, the link between cases and severe outcomes being broken will give them the confidence uh, I, I really hope so but I, I do think we need additional 
um, more nuanced measures as well. Yes, I mean, I think I think that's uh, totally agree with you, James. And uh, I think you've uh, you very, very well summed up the, the dilemma that we're in at the moment. Um, we are reliant on, on government taking that step and, uh, and being prepared to to you know, develop those other and alternative policy tools, which I'm sure we will explore again in a future podcast. So, James, thank you so much for your time today. Um, I hope our listeners um, uh, really uh, appreciate the, what the insight you've given us, which has just been really, really interesting. Um, thank you again, and uh, we'll speak again soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. My pleasure, Chris. Great to be with you. Thanks. So uh, that was James Wiltshire there, and uh, I think uh, we've, we've got a great insight into the current situation facing uh, the industry, but also the policy challenges that we're, we're facing. Um, that's all for the podcast this week. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, do subscribe to us using all your favorite podcast providers, and you can get more information on IATA's work at uh, IATA.org. Uh, see you on the next podcast. You've been listening to The Airline Briefing, the industry affairs podcast from IATA. For more information and the latest news on all the most crucial issues facing aviation today, go to IATA.org or follow IATA on social media.